I won fantasy this week. That was pretty. <laughs> did <sweet>. you? <gasps> How many leagues do you have, Devin? I only have one, but I did play some. That's the way uh, to do it. I played some DraftKings too, and I think I won like ninety bucks. So that was nice. <sighs> I thought you were gonna see me. You won that million, that cool, cool million. <laughs> do you think he'd be on the podcast the day after he won? He won a million dollar pool on DraftKings. Yeah. He'd be yeah. like, I still want to see Dave and Shane. <laughs> I would. I would do it. So I mean, I've, Dave, you know, in this world where we have plenty of large powerball and mega millions uh what are they called the, the prizes lotteries i suppose okay so the amount the amount that you would win so if if you were to if you were to win a powerball would you still do the podcast maybe occasionally oh uh, if i won a powerball i would only do the podcast Ooh, that would be the only actually, thing I would do. That's actually a really good idea because they say, you know, those people who are like, oh, if I didn't have a job, I'd be so bored. And one, I'm like, that's not me. But, you know, two is like, you got to do something. Yeah. I mean, if so you just go full to if you want if you want a billion dollars, you'd never have to work again. So we would have so many ads on Facebook for this podcast. <laughs> I would just be like, flood them all. Get everybody listening to dive down. It's only, you know, 30 cents a click. Let's do this. I told Perfect. my, it's I, worth it. I told my chat the other day that if I won like the $2 billion lottery, I would start a rental service for IRL cards, but it would just be for vintage. So I would buy like 40 or 50 copies of power of each power nine. And I would just like yeah. let friend people vintage cards in real life. Would you send a person along with the rental to watch that, to yeah, like sit attaché. next to them? Like, yeah, exactly. Like a, like a card concierge that actually brings the cards to your home. They sit next to you while you're playing your tournament or having your cube draft or whatever you're doing with Power 9 and then take it home in the, in the Halliburton case. I'd buy some very expensive insurance. That's probably what I would do. Hello and welcome to episode 248 of The Dive Down, brought to you by The Card Concierge, a new service provided by Devin O'Donnell. Uh, this is a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies. For the casual spike, my name is Shane here in Denver, Colorado. With me on the line from New England, it's Devin O'Donnell, aka Doomwink. It's me. Dave, I feel like you've, I don't know if you've been watch, catching the stream or my videos recently, but I've been really into Vanifar and Pioneer. I have seen I on that. Twitter. I've been loving that deck. It's been really sweet. Did we solve it? Is it is it happening? <laughs> I will say Agatha's Soul Cauldron is a messed up card. Yeah. It's like, there's so many lines where they just kill your Vanifar and you're like, okay, I have a cauldron. You're dead anyways. I, I really want to buy some of those cards. I've opened two boxes of Eldraine and got zero mm. cauldrons. That's and tough. we're here to talk about another set anyway, but like I do really <laughs> want to play. Uh, I really want to play Hardened Scales too, and I just think I just need to bite the bullet and <sighs> just get them, get them from one of our uh, from our friends. It's not going down anytime soon. I can't believe that either. That's what I was waiting for. It's crazy. It's a cool card. EDH man. Uh, and with us from the second city, it's a Godfather Dave Harbarger. I, I want everyone to know. I know everyone was really worried about this, but I lubed the headset. So maybe we don't ever have to talk about this again, but the headset has been lubed. I used a thing called dry lube that I got at Home Depot that I think is somewhere between WD-40 and silicone. But uh, Shane, do you approve of the use of dry lube? See, I think that sounds really good because I don't think you want, you know, you, know, you don't want too much, you know, goop building up in those hinges i mean i don't want any goop to be honest like but that's for my other podcast um the the things that it said that made me buy this particular lube product was we're going on this road it said it said that it was good for saw blades (laughs) 
like like power saw blades and uh shovel blades as well which i never knew i would need to lube a shovel blade perhaps uh, and also um it also said like ropes twine <laughs> i was like this seems great this is what i'm getting what, what articulation does a shovel have I think it's just to make the blade go into the dirt faster. I don't don't know. Yeah. You you ever ever sit at home up late, shining your shovel, lubricating your shovel? Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's, there's two kinds of people in this world. There's the people who hold the podcasts and the people who hold the shovels. Which one will you be when the time comes? (laughs) Let me tell you a little bit about Heavy Play. Yeah. A newish card gaming accessories brand that will improve your gameplay and your game day. Devin's giving me a thumbs up because he knows that their playmats, deck boxes, and card sleeves feature enhanced ergonomics, mobility, and protection. The unique Equip Mag system allows you to magnetically attach, bundle, and carry all of your gear together. It's all in ABC, a single hand, friends, ABC. ABCs. Now, Randy does not have L on his list, which is lubricate. <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend doing that with your magic cards, even L-A-B-C. with dry lube, to be clear. Just, yeah. yeah dr- dry L-A-B-C. lube the cases, they, they open smoothly, but the dry lube lets them maintain their snappiness. I guess it could be D. It'd be A, attach, B, bundle, C, carry, D, dry lube. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Uh, you can purchase these nice products over at heavyplay.com using code the dive down 2023 gets you 10% off your first order. You can also potentially find it at your LGS or see Randy at a large scale magic, the gathering event, perhaps near you. Devin, did, did you receive your care package yet? Did you want to say uh, anything about it? Well, I, I'm actually just looking at my, uh, my, my shipping right now. It's scheduled to come in tomorrow. We're actually planning on doing a little like unboxing on stream. Nice. But I am. Uh, I'm pretty excited. You know, there's, there's some stuff coming in. I can't wait to check it out. I've heard, you know, good things from you guys. So I'm excited. That's great stuff. Sweet, sweet, sweet. All right. If you missed it the day of, check out. I'm sure it'll be in the VOD that Devin has hanging around from this week at some point. So go go check it out. Have you play. Well, Dave, on this show, I think it's just cards, my friends. We have the full spoiler of Lost Caverns of Ixalan. I've been calling it like Lost Caves of Ixalan during my Google searches, but Google is very powerful and it, it still provides the Lost Caverns content I'm looking for. So let's look through all of this underground spelunking, this wreckage. And I think we have a bunch of interesting slash cool slash powerful cards to talk about. And of course, you know, talk about some highlights, things that we are really into, the things we're most hyped about, maybe have the biggest impact. But first, a little bit of housekeeping. We've got two new patrons of the Dive Down Nation, two new citizens. We've got Stanky Janky, Stanky J, and uh, John, just John. We have a couple new reviews on the old Apple podcasts. We've got a Jonah 1999. If that's the year they were born in, I feel very old again, but I do often. Uh, loves the content. Listening, listen to and from long commutes for work and RCQs. Jonah is on the RCQ grind. Thanks for listening. And we have a long one from Flat Eric. And I think Flat Eric is just, just spinning a yarn in this review. He's talking about like a, a fake history of the dive down. I, or this is just like copy pasta. Like this is maybe <laughs> just chat GPT copy pasta of, I don't even know. But... Thanks for the five stars. They do help the algorithm, even if the review is as dense and inconceivable, or it was as dense as infinite jest. This review is perhaps. Where's the, where's the footnote? Yeah, there should be some footnotes on this review. Not a lot of people on Spotify this week. We did have Dr. Ali E and 
RMSED, um, two people who have commented in the past as well. So thanks for interacting over there. I think we'll try to put up a poll this week. I think what we should do is at the end of the episode, let's try to figure out the five cards that we should have people vote for what they think will be the most impactful card out of this set that we can put up in the Spotify poll. Like See that. what we get. Sweet. It's always about engagement. We're just having fun out here, Devin. <laughs> we haven't won the billion dollar lottery yet. So yeah. yet. I, I keep I one day. Well, if you want to be like Stanky J and John. And who does it? I mean, right, exactly. I agree. Patreon.com slash the dive down helps keep us going. There's a bunch of good swag. It's the November, uh, actually, I guess October Patreon payments just got charged, which means I get to send out some boxes and envelopes of swag to our latest patrons. If you want to grab that stuff, patreon.com slash a dive down. Real quick, if you are someone who thinks you are owed swag from more than a month or two ago, send us a note on Patreon, yeah. please let us know. Um, we believe we're caught up to at least the last two months. And if you want to get something at the store, the divedowner.com slash store, uh, Mana Traders, of course, gets 10% off of your first two months of that awesome Magic the Gathering online rental service using code the Dive Down 23 All right, we made it. Let's made talk it about more it. cards. Before, before we get started, one thing real quick, because I know we had talked about this last week with uh, the thousand year calendar. Uh, whatever we talked about does not work. So we, uh, I had, I, I, I basically misread the card. So I, I just want to be real clear. It's whatever you two talked about at the very yeah, beginning that of that correct, discussion. Yes. I went, I went, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's no, there's no untapped phase, right? Yeah. There is an untapped step and neither player gets priority during that. So my general understanding was like, oh, I'm in the untapped phase. I can do a lot of stuff here. And obviously that's a little bit maybe too powerful, too broken, could lead to some stuff you don't want to have happening. So it makes sense. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about the second half of the set. Now that the full set is spoiled of Lost Caverns of Ixalan. You know what? I didn't know how to organize these cards. So they are organized in my favorite way, which is by mana value, starting with zero. We're going to work our way up. That That's the way to really gauge a card's potential, right? Devin, I usually mean, the cheaper cards are better anyways so. right exactly the cheaper cards are better and occasionally like an eight drop is good because we know it's a reanimation target or something like that like that's that's how the world works you can basically skip five drops for the most part five six four lots of threes that's just the world we'll, we're living in in modern pioneer Devin, i do want to say one other thing before we hop in here i i did I have been enjoying your Twitter updates with uh, the updated state of modern, where it's just the list of all the Rakdos scam <laughs> lists and where they're placing mm. and all the challenges. Uh, this it's getting weekend, better week by week. It, yeah, it's getting more. I can't believe it's getting more. Why is it getting more instead of less? Anyway, we won't talk about that this week, but you know that, that more of that is coming up uh, in the near future for all of us. So, But for now, Scary. let's escape. Please, let's escape explore. into the potential of the future instead of the actual current state. That's right. Okay. First card I was curious, wanted to talk about is Volatile Fault. That's right. Setting off this episode, it's a land, it's a cave. I don't know if we're ever going to care that it's a cave, that these cards are caves. <laughs> you can tap it for a colorless, and it says one generic tap, sacrifice Volatile Fault, destroy target, non basic land and opponent controls. Sounds a little familiar. Little. Yeah. That player may search their library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle, and you create a treasure token. So is it a yeah. worse ghost quarter? Is it a better ghost quarter? Is it a better field of ruin? It's just another entry in that whole weird list of modern lands, strip mines, basically, strip mines, wastelands. And this is where we are. And I kind of think this is a good one of these because the activation cost is so cheap. 
but yeah, one is one is less than two. It's it's half. It's half as much as two. It's half as much. But in magic terms, being half as much as two is actually being like five times less than two. Right, like the so dis- much. The difference between one and two is so gigantic. Yeah, much more than the difference between like two and three. Yeah, exactly. If, if there's there's some kind of geometric algorithm that I'm sure we could describe that actually is what it is. But look, I mean, this card. I keep thinking about it. Like I, I was looking at this card before before I realized that Ghost Quarter was around. Not before I realized the Ghost Quarter. I just kind of forgot about Ghost Quarter for a minute. But I do think that this card is better in some sense, because you get a treasure token back, you get the mana back, you can use it as mana fixing, you don't lose the mana forever from this land. Um, and sometimes that did kind of hurt when you were playing with Ghost Quarter. Now, I still was thinking about like, well, can I use this card with Renin 6 and do like stuff that was banned in Legacy? I don't know if that's where this is going to end up. It might just be that this is a card that makes it faster and easier for friend of the pod, I guess. We haven't talked to him in a few years, but M. Hayashi to do the things that M. Hayashi likes to do in modern with red cards or blue cards or whatever decks. M. Hayashi can play like 16 Field of Ruins now. Exactly. But but I don't know. What do you, what do you think about this? So my, my kind of instinct is can we abuse the treasure token? Like, is there anything we can do with that treasure token? Because like, I agree with you. It's probably, it's in the middle, right? I think it's better than ghost quarter, but worse than field of ruin. But I was kind of thinking this application with creativity Mm. now, maybe not in Mm. modern because the creativity decks in modern play the dwarven mind. So you need a lot of mountains and this doesn't, you know, you lose the land. It's not a mountain itself, but like in pioneer creativity, this giving you a treasure token, and it also kills Nykthos for, or kills, but they get to replace it. But it removes Nykthos for relatively cheap. So maybe it could be good in, in Pioneer Creativity. I love it. Yeah, I definitely, you know, Devin, you're always thinking about the best way to utilize all the things that come out of the card individually. And yeah, finding an, a special use for that token other than just not losing mana with it totally makes sense to me. Yeah, I think this, this card is solid. It's a good little role player, good little potential piece of tech. I like it. So what's next? I've got, a, I've got a land. Okay. Echoing Deeps, another cave. You may have Echoing Deeps ETB tapped as a copy of any land card in a graveyard, except it's a cave in addition to its other types. So this is where I, I have this whole idea for a cave, like cave tribal deck. Or, and, we call uh, it Typal now. Yeah, Typal, excuse me. Kindred? Uh, kindred. No, it's yeah, Kindred, it's kindred. yes, Kindred. Um, so, no, it's not actually the case. You can also tap to add colorless, but this is basically eight saga. So, let's let you play more sagas. So, this is the, this is the one thing that I, I was looking at this card for a while, and then I was like, well, Vesuva exists, and this card is just kind of worse than Vesuva, probably, because it's hard to get lands into your graveyard, but I didn't think about applying it with saga which is kind of interesting yeah i mean i don't know if you need eight saga but it's an option now (laughs) the other well here's the other thing that i was kind of thinking about with this so there's the other the green card that we talked about the amulet card spelunking Mm -hmm. so there's kind of a cool thing you can do with spelunking plus lotus field because it makes lotus field enter the battlefield untapped so you can like say have a spelunking in play you play a lotus field it comes into play untapped you float the lotus field mana you sacrifice the lotus field and then if you have a way to put additional land into play you can play echoing deeps copy the lotus field you still get mm. it into play untapped because of the spelunking but the lotus field goes to the graveyard by you know sacrificing itself so maybe there's some kind of weird you know niche combo deck with lotus field and spelunking i don't exactly know what it looks like in pioneer but that's that's kind of like the main application that i could see with this using every part of the buffalo yet again 
I mean, it's always all about Lotus Field, right? When you come to these lands that copy lands or do things to lands, we go, we always go back to Lotus Field in this day and age. Or Saga, I guess. That's the other one that's super good. Yeah, the other thing, like in the Lotus Field combo deck, if I don't know if they have a ton of ways to mill cards over, but if they somehow get a Lotus Field in the graveyard, then they can, you know, access it with, with this card. I don't know if you would want to play that, but that's that's their application as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is totally different than Thespian stage, though, right? Like, it's not gonna, it's not gonna fill that role ever. Even if you were to cr- try to craft a deck around it, I don't think it's like it's probably just an insurance of some kind instead. Yeah, I mean, it's it's either just something where it's like you're really trying to abuse Saga, or you just want sort of more potential copies of it. But like, you know, this is not a good land and it's lonesome. So you know that you draw this in your opener of like your twenty-two land deck or something like that. And you're like, well. I don't know about this one. I do have another land, though. The last land. Yeah, Restless Anchorage, which is the Azorius Restless land that I sort of briefly talked about last week, which is just, you know, tap, add white or blue. You pay one blue-white until end of turn. It becomes a 2-3 white and blue bird creature with flying. It's also still a land. And when it attacks, you create a map token. I think this is a fine land. I don't think it's a great land. I think it's a fine land. I think it's There's, clearly worse than the red-black one, but... Yeah, I'd agree. I think in, like, you know, a Pioneer standard, if that's your thing, you know, like a Zorius cre- de- you know, creature-heavy deck, I think this is a fine way to finish off a control opponent. I think it's a fine way to just add to your attacks if you're flooding out or, you know, you reach a sort of a board state where you're not really able to attack in very cleanly. I think it's fine. Why couldn't this just be a spirit, you know? Is that so much to ask? Right? There is a spirit, like a legendary spirit in this in this set too. It's like, so it seems like it could have been on theme to have another blue white spirit card, but maybe that's the reason that it's not a spirit is because we don't deserve a spirit, uh, man, uh, spirit creature don't. land, you know? <laughs> <laughs> One, I, I do think that this card could potentially be good in pioneer blue white control. Like, they play some number of creature lands already. They play, like, I think one to two halls, and sometimes they play the white one. Not very often. Right. But I think this could maybe be an upgrade to, like, one of the other flex lands, because it, it, it's a 2-3. It blocks reasonably well, and it dodges Bone Crusher Giants, so I don't hate it. But it is a deck you can't really do anything with a map token in, right? Well, you just, you you could put the map token on the creature, on, on the land, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it kind of feeds itself. Let's Rage Intervene. We're, we're good now. We've got it. <laughs> Right. All right. Couple. Now we're moving on from the lands, and there's no zero drops in this set for what it's worth. So we're going to move on to Phyrexian mana. One drops. Yep. Dusk Rose Reliquary was a card I was curious about. It's an artifact. As an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice an artifact or creature. It has Ward 2, and it says when Dusk Rose Reliquary enters the battlefield, exile target artifact or creature and opponent controls until Dusk Rose Reliquary leaves the battlefield. This card is interesting to me because sometimes in Pioneer, people play Portable Hole and occasionally even play Glass Casket. And I know that sacrificing a thing can be a problem, but Ward 2 is pretty good. Like, this is just a another card that they've tacked Ward 2 onto, and I think that makes it a reasonable thing to think about. You know, it gets rid of artifacts or creatures. I kind of wish it got rid of, like, Planeswalkers as well, randomly or something <laughs> wow. like that, just to give it a little extra nudge for Greedy. the sacrifice. Have a kill Karn. But, yeah. But I don't know. Like, I, I think this is an interesting card, but I don't know if it actually outmodes either of those other ones. What do you, what do you think about it? So, I was... 
I don't like the the like a second line of text as an additional cost sacrifice an artifact or creature because it's just like that's a really conditional thing. I mean, it's bone splinters, right? Like that's kind of what it is. It's just yeah, it's just like you know, it's not always something that you have. But I think what's I think I see this having some sideboard application and convoke. Because you're always going to have some fodder. And if you don't, you're doing it really wrong. You're going to lose anyway. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, you're going to have a lot of extra little things probably for a Convoke. And having a piece of removal this flexible uh, is probably pretty good. And what do you think, Devin? Uh, I love this card. So there's a, a couple of different places that I think it could see play. I don't know if you guys remember this, but the Monogreen Devotion deck in Pioneer used to actually splash for white at, at previous points. They played Portable Hole and they played mm-hmm. uh, Glass Casket. So because any basically any Karn deck, just, this is just like a pretty, I think, a significant enough upgrade to Portable Hole. And the Sacrifice and Artifact or Creature specifically with regards to monogreen devotion if you have an old growth troll in play and you sacrifice your old growth troll you're actually plus on mana because you get the old growth troll back you keep the devotion in play and you get the mana back so you could get like this weird boost of mana with the reliquary and then the other place i see it is like maybe some sort of like white black deck that is already playing a bunch of things that want to go to the graveyard like a sacrifice style strategy especially with bartolome which is a card that we may, may discuss at some point but yeah, like the, I could see application in those decks. Uh, one thing I will note about this is the additional cost is only when you cast it. So if you can cheat this into play, whether it's like, it's the card that I was thinking of, Oswald Fiddlebender or War of Invention, mm-hmm. then you can kind of mitigate that downside as well. There you go. Ward 2 coming, coming at you. I don't know how much the Ward 2 matters that much. You don't think so? To be honest with you. Eh, I don't know. It's like, it, how often are people killing Portable Hole anyways? Usually that's the, that thing just stays in the battlefield. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So the, the thing that makes this an upgrade to Portable Hole then is the fact that it's not bound by CMC. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because you can kill opposing old girl trolls and, and that kind of stuff. Whereas yeah. Portable Hole couldn't do that. Yeah. Dusk Rose Reliquary Unbound is the right. future Planeswalker version. <laughs> No, that's just like the alternate art, full art version, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just glowing. It's got an eye. It's like ascending. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's powerful and cheap. I mean, and I think there's plenty of decks, like Devin was mentioning, that can have the condition that is not really that much of a drawback. Let's talk about goblins. Okay. Goblins. And, and rogues. Shane. Together. Together at last. We've or got, a pirate. we got a rogue and a pirate. Yeah. I, okay, I'll just preface this. I don't think this card is great. Or even that good but stalactite stalker is a menace one it costs black it's a goblin rogue with menace one one shane that doesn't sound very good but wait there's more at the beginning of your end step if you descended this turn you put a one one counter on it and you can then also pay two and a black sack it and a target creature gets minus x minus x until end of turn where x is stalactite stalker's power i think this is very slow you know, it's just like at the beginning of your end step, if you descended, you get one counter. It's not like however many times you descended, it's just like, hey, you get a counter, a turn. It's slow, but I think it's it has some fringe application, I think. That's about it. Yeah, my, my weird thing about this is like, you're, does are there any decks in modern that want a one mana 2-2 two, two menace? 
Like if that was just the baseline and you didn't have to work for it or even like a one mana three, three, you know, people aren't playing wild in the cattle that much. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I just, I, I like the card. I'm just not sure exactly what deck would want this. And if it's at yeah. the appropriate speed of the format. Yeah. For me, it was like, is there a kindred deck for pioneer that is goblins? And I know there's one that's hanging around out there a little bit. What's the, what's the name of the goblin removal spell in modern? That was an MH one, you know, the red black deal damage equal equal the number of goblins in play oh, i like, do not know munitions that yeah. expert yeah munitions expert so that that card i think kind of makes this card totally outmoded in modern for as far True. as applications yeah. go but having a, a a removal spell attached to a creature in pioneer seems like maybe a reasonable thing so i was keeping an eye on it from that sense it is much harder to descend in that format because yeah. you don't have fetch lands but you say that, but the the Goblin deck itself does have Fanatical Firebrand, Skirk Prospector, Cacophony Scamp as like yeah. natural just things that go to the graveyard. So right. it actually does have a decent number of stuff and Fable too. So yeah, so I thought of this as like Pioneer Munitions Expert when I was looking at this card personally, but I could see it. We'll see. I wish the sack cost wasn't two and a black. That seems a little bit too safe for the for the removal option yeah Yeah. but i mean if you have counters on it you likely have the mana for it but then it's still it's like well i've got to sacrifice my three three stalker and to like you know potentially kill something that only has three toughness so who knows yeah could could be decent with lords too though right because you have like some the you have the a couple of different lords and pioneer that pump it up so even if you don't like if you draw it later you can still maybe do something with it yeah yeah all right a different goblin let's talk about a different uh stat line that maybe isn't good enough anymore goblin tomb raider <laughs> for a single Lara, red Lara croft eat yeah. your heart out there's yeah. a goblin of you now goblin pirate as long as you control an artifact goblin tomb raider gets plus one plus oh and has haste it is a one two it's a one two for one goblin that can become a two two for haste if you have an artifact i i thought this card i was like is this goblin guide 2023 not really but you know i think this has has potential in a couple of places you know we we've already talked about a couple of cards that we feel like could go in this convoke deck maybe this is something that you would want there if you want to have more aggro starts that you can easily turn on with the token makers in in that deck but um you know i don't know if that's a dimension that you want to add to this deck or if there's other things that are already better that are in this slot but having a, a 2-2 haste isn't the worst thing in the world and then on the other hand i did look at it and go is there some kind of modern deck that can play this with Mishra's Bauble or whatever and get some real kind of artifact, light artifact synergy going on in an aggressive red deck. And then maybe I'm throwing, uh, maybe I'm doing things like animating them or throwing, what's the name of the card that does five damage, Shrapnel Blast? Maybe we're Shrapnel Blasting some artifacts and attacking with a 2-2 oh, Haster. yeah. And- I like where this is going, Dave. Just aggro, Shrapnel Blast, blast stuff. Those decks exist. They win from time to time i think devin was playing one today were you, were you not playing it sure was, a blast that, was the, that was the nasif deck yeah what, what do you think this one are you more dubious of this one than the other one or what do you think <sighs> it's this one's weird i don't actually think convoke wants a one minute two two haste because the the thing about the convoke one drops is they all have they all come attached with another piece of thing to use with gleeful demolition yeah. and now bunnicorn so I don't really know if I see it in Convoke specifically. What I think it could be good in, there's been a deck popping up recently. It's kind of been like a Tarka Red and that has a small artifact theme for Gleeful Demolition because Gleeful is so powerful with a Tarkus command. Mm-hmm. And that deck plays Bomac Courier, Synthesizer, 
uh, Voltaire and Epicure. And in that shell, that deck definitely wants a one minute two two haste, and I yep. can see it being good in that deck. And uh, that's kind of where I see this being uh, being the best. There you go. All the red cards from that deck plus the Tarkus command, yeah. basically. It, it is a goblin, so you could maybe think about it, but the goblin deck doesn't have a lot of artifacts, naturally. They right. kind of just yeah. have a bunch of creatures and fables. I guess fable makes an artifact, but yeah. And even even if it was a 2-2 haste for one permanently, I don't think that's really what the goblin deck is about. They're usually about more like grindy, card advantage type stuff. You know, we're not in the era of just attacking with one minute two twos anymore. Yeah, but we could be. Oh, yeah. Could. In certain decks. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Shane. I, I've got I've got a red card what? that is about attacking. <laughs> this card to me, I was like, is this just you trying to make up for the card that you laughed at me for including in the in spoilers last time? Or well, what? I thought Monstrous Rage. I thought Monstrous Rage was good. Mm-hmm. Mm, we could check the tape on that one. What'd you say, Devin? You said check the tape. Check we, the we tape. Can, we can roll back the yeah. MP3. The Dreadmaw's Ire, red instant until end of turn. Target attacking creature gets two two plus plus and gains trample and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player destroy target artifact that player controls i think this is a fine combat trick and shatter effect combined it's not monstrous rage i don't think it has to be monstrous rage i think this is going to see some sideboard play in aggressive pioneer decks maybe even i mean it could be modern i don't know like i mean it's it's not as good as shattering spree or whatever right no not shattering spree what's the what's the one that hurts people when you when you shatter smash yeah smash the smithereens smash thank smithereens, you yeah i think this is fine i think fine this card. is a gonna be a reasonably good card in limited in this format because there are because <laughs> there are a lot wow. of artifacts in this format yeah that's that's mostly what i'm thinking about with this card i'm like wow this is this is like an on theme combat trick for the limited vibe I think it's a really good combat trick and for limited for sure what do you think about its pioneer chops Devin? i think this will be good in the sideboard of the boros heroic deck past that probably not much else yeah i'm fine with that i don't think this is a game-changing card i think it's a fine role player yeah Decent card. I don't hate it. Like, if there's a lot of artifacts in the format, there's there's not really a ton of, like, artifact-based strategies in Pioneer right now. There's, like, you know, some that has some bits and pieces here and there. I guess Grease Fang, but, like, the timing on this doesn't really work the way you want it to against Barhelion, right? So it's your shatter kind of has to be more flexible in that regard. That's that's yeah. why it's a little awkward. Good point. Yeah, I mean, like, what artifact is sticking around beside, like, a you know, Witch's Oven or something like that that's yeah. really doing damage to you? Uh, of, I mean, if maybe damping sphere, but then green can't use this. So, you know, yep. All right. Here, here's a card that confused me a little bit at first. And now I've come back around on it to thinking that it's pretty good. Tarion soul cleaver. It's a one generic mana for a legendary artifact equipment. Equipped creature has vigilance. Who cares? Whenever another artifact or creature is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on equipped creature and it has equip two. So at first I was kind of like, is this just win more in hardened scales? And then I thought it for a little bit and I was like, this really powers up a walking ballista in a way like this is not shadow spear. Shadow spear is a really good card. It's not going to replace it. It is also a spear or whatever. Like we're not, you know, we're, <laughs> we're making a spear deck now, but it's a, it's a cleaver, David. Yeah. It's searchable with saga. It's like the only decent rare i think in the set that's searchable with with urza saga and it doesn't it doesn't say descend on it so every time 
any artifact or creature is put into a graveyard that includes tokens, this thing procs, as Stan likes to say. So you will get a token on something. If you have a hardened scales in play, you'll get two tokens on something. And the thing that we care about with this is one card in that deck, and that card is Walking Ballista. I mean, I really think that this is a card that having in your, in your saga package can really power up Walking Ballista. And it's, I don't even think it has to be in hardened scales necessarily. I think this could be like, hey, we're going to put this into our some kind of Heliod deck is like another way to make sure that we can go off with Ballista from a place where we didn't mm-hmm. get our, our combo off or something like that. I just think it's a little better than it looks at first pass as a combo piece more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, th- does this only scales with Ballista? I feel like this is a, you know, fine, like, Orkvon Ravager type thing. Like, you know, if you have ways to move these counters around, I think there's there's plenty of utility here, right? I think it's fine in that case, you know what I mean? But I don't think it's good, necessarily. I think there's lots of other cards in your deck that are better if you're just Arcbound Ravagering and stuff like that. Like, you really just want Scales, and maybe you really do Ozolith. want Shadow Spear anyway, and Ozolith, those are all good things. But this is something, and even even Ozolith might be better with, um, you know, Walking Ballista than this is. But at the same time, this is pretty pretty good, different way to go. Yeah, I mean, well, this card also works pretty well with Ozolith, right? Because right. if you have, like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming, like, you know, Magical Christmas Land, but if you have, like, Arcbound Ravager, Ozolith, and this card, then all of your artifacts are basically three counters, right? Because you get one from the Ravager, one from this, and then one on the Ozolith. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's it could be potential. Like you said, it's like a one of or something. It's like maybe good in very specific situations where maybe the other cards could be a little bit worse. So I could see it. I mean, maybe even in Pioneer too, because I've been looking at like if you combine this with uh, Bartolome, mm-hmm. you can actually go kind of you can go kind of deep with that, like combining with the Ozolith too, because you can play that card in Pioneer. Oh, oh, interesting one. Nice. You can play both of them in Pioneer if you want to, right? Yeah. You, either 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 Ozolith. Unfortunately, Dave, we're missing a very important card in Pioneer. <laughs> Walking Ballista. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sad. Yeah. You know what? I think it's. I think we're all better off for it for now. Maybe maybe someday the the power level will rise enough for that card to come back, but not not right now. Now, Devin, just ban Heliod. What's that? Just ban Heliod. Just ban Heliod. <laughs> yeah. All right, Devin. I want to give you a card to take a look at. What what is uh, what's the card that you threw in the file here? Oh, Subterranean Schooner. Man, I I have not heard a lot of people talking about this card, and I I absolutely love this one. So this is uh, it's the I guess the fixed. Smuggler's Copter, if you want to call it that. Yeah. So it's uh, blue and a colorless artifact vehicle. It's a 3-4. Whenever it attacks, target creature that crewed it this turn explores, and its crew cost is only one. Yeah. So extremely very small crew cost, four toughness, three power for two mana. Body's great, gets you, like, it's not quite, like, obviously it's not as good as draw a card, it's not as good as loot, but Explore is still decent, it helps you find, you, you can hit land drops, it helps you find gas later in the game, and it just, you know, the, the crew cost is so small, it helps smooth out your draws. I, I don't know exactly what this card goes into, because it is blue, yes. that's a little bit awkward, but I do love this card. Yeah, that was my big problem with it. Like Dave had it in the notes last week. We didn't get to the to the Boats component of the episode, but that was my thing too. It's like this is a cool card, but they obviously gave it a color to make it not, you know, looter schooner. Looter schooner. I mean, to me, it makes me think a little bit about that one one that made a map token that we talked about last week. It's like that's that's not a bad little like curve to get going on there and some kind of like 
blue bad creatures flying deck, which I, I love that particular archetype. Yeah, I mean, I, I of course I wish that this had flying, but then it would just be way too good because then it would just be Looter Scooter. So I don't know. Does it ever go on Spirits? Is that a crazy idea? Spirits kind of wants to play a bunch of flash stuff and hold up its mana. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. What I kind of, now that I'm thinking about a little bit more, I actually kind of like this in some sort of like, I've been, I've been played a couple of times. There's like a blue white artifact deck that plays Machiko's Reign of Truth and some other like patchwork automaton and stuff like that. But you can play the new card that you talked about, the Siren, which is the blue one, one flyer, mm-hmm. because that card is sick where it gives you an artifact for insult artifact. And it's a one, one flyer for one, which is really good with Machiko's Reign of Truth. And this is an artifact for Machiko and all of your other other artifact payoff cards. So maybe that's maybe that could be the best home for it that I can see right now. But yeah, th- this card, it's just like, it's a lot of stats. You know, if there's ever a blue deck that wants to attack, um, this one has to be, th- this card should be like a shoe-in in that deck. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a cool card. I think it's well-statted, well-designed, like an attractive card. And I'll be curious to see if it ends up somewhere. Yeah, imagine if this was too colorless though. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. Make every aggressive deck in every color a little bit better. Uh, I've, I've got a card. Dauntless Dismantler. That's like an antler, but it dismantles it. Um, one and a white for a one for a human artificer. Artifacts your opponent's control, ETB tapped. You can pay XX white sacrifice Dauntless Dismantler, and you destroy each artifact with mana value X. I think this is an interesting hate piece in that it both disrupts if you play it early and destroys if you did not draw it early. It might be too late at that point, but I think it's I think it's got some flexibility here that I like in a hate piece like this. I like it. It's a one for it too. It doesn't die to a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's the stats one. that make it possible. I think the fact that it's got a giant toughness like that, it doesn't even die to lightning bolt. Like Yeah, and if they spend a piece of removal on it, I mean it's just like, you know, a, a one for one, but that's not really that's not really a very insightful comment I just had there, but it exists. That piece of that commentary exists on the internet forever. <laughs> It's there. Yeah, people are going to comment on that. I'll be honest with you. I didn't even know that this card had the first line of text, artifacts your opponent control, enter the battlefield tapped until two minutes ago when you just read that line of text to me. I When I saw this card, I saw the XX white sack and I was like, oh, that's good against there's a saga tokens and all this stuff. I didn't even realize that it had that first line of text. So um, yeah, if you're like on the play and you play this on turn two, I'm trying to think how relevant their artifacts entering the battlefield tapped would even be in most circumstances probably not that relevant there's always something but it is good against saga i do like that yeah i think it's i think it's got some play i don't know what that is white hate bear it's not exactly i mean there's so many of them how many of them actually see play i don't know there was a time there was a very much more fun time but worth worth noting this says destroy each artifact not non-land artifact so it does pop Ink Moth, Blink Moth, all those other creature lands, which those, could be extremely relevant against Hammer and stuff. Oh, are those? Oh, you mean like if they activate it? Okay, like they couldn't yeah. activate it into it. I was like, yeah, they're not. I don't. They're not artifact right. types or something like that. And you can't get Dark Steel Citadel. I guess that would. I guess that would ETB tapped if you know for that random. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Imagine getting somebody with this though. You have like a, you got a vial on two, and they fire up their Ink Moth Nexus, and you're just like, uh. Before blocks, I have an I have a response, and they just put this thing into play and pop their land. I think that'd be pretty sick. <laughs> I mean, I was even just thinking about hammer too. Now that you mentioned it, where it's like, well, you can just have this in play and get rid of two hammers at instant speed yeah. if someone tries to go that way against you. 
Huh. Yeah, this card's great against Hammer. Interesting. Yeah, I just, I think it's just the flexibility there, or just like, you know, you can you can play it late to destroy stuff, you can play it early to kind of disrupt, and I just like that, that little thing there. But like, what are you doing with it on the board? It's effectively an enchantment, you know what I mean? But it's, all, you know, it's 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 just kind of like an, an EE or something like that, that also has uh, enchantment type line. That's that's perfectly fine for one in a white, I think. Yeah. All right. How about a good card? An actually good card. Are I we think, sure it's Dave. good? Let's hear it. I think it's it. good. I think okay. it's good. This is your card. All right. Bitter Triumph. A colorless and a black for an instant. As an additional cost to cast this spell, discard a card or pay three life. Destroy target creature or planeswalker. This is another card that I took a long look at and was like, is this better than anything? Is this good? Is this actually good? I mean, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I think it's good. It's got a hard I like it. condition. I mean, I, I do sort of like the idea of trying to play this. I mean, take advantage of the life loss. Like, does Death Shadow want this card? Like, we're not playing Terminate in Death Shadow all the time, but sometimes you you pack a couple of them to build out your Drown in the Lock suite and stuff like that. And so maybe you can go there. You know, obviously you can discard some stuff to it if you want to. It's priced to move. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it could be just a good card across both Pioneer and Modern, depending on where you want to use it. Yeah. I think it's like a nice dismember sort of type thing. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not, can't replace dismember because you have to pit play black mana but i mean i think it works like kind of weirdly with like discard graveyard synergies i think it probably has play in pioneer for those types of things i don't know really what those are these days like we have bone shards for modern although that's a sorcery this is an instant but i still don't think you know bone shards doesn't see play i don't think this is going to necessarily see play in like a reanimate deck but i like you know the life loss matters decks i think that's pretty good too i'm kind of into this card in grease fang so grease fang is kind of there maybe a little bit low on ways to get ways to get parhelion out of their hand like they have you know salvage to mill it over but like imagine a scenario where you're on you're on the play and your opponent like has turn one elf and you just go turn two play a land kill your elf discard parhelion it's just like you can't you just can't possibly lose those games even even when you're on the draw sometimes that's good enough so um i kind of like it in, in pioneer grease fang past that don't see a ton else for it. But like you said, the shadow application is kind of cool too. Yeah. Here's my real question though. Is this card just better than Molten Collapse? Which is a card that everybody is <laughs> super into and seems People to be getting a lot so of into it. free hype. No, I think Collapse is better specifically in Scam because it pitches the both. That's like the whole, that's like the reason that Collapse is good. You know? Right. If Collapse was just a black card, I don't think people would be talking about it as much. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, we'll get back to that someday. Let's see what happens with Molten Collapse in those, that first couple of weeks of uh, of the, the new format. All right, I have two more black cards I wanted to talk about really quickly, just because they're kind of annoying. Uh, <laughs> one is Fanatical Offering for a generic and a black. It's an instant, and it says, as an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice an artifact or creature, draw two cards and create a map token. I don't know if anybody cares about this right now, but there's another Deadly Dispute. Here it is. It's worse than Deadly Dispute, but Perfect. it still exists. It's another Deadly Dispute. Hey, I care about this, okay? I'm, I'm the Recto Sack guy. <laughs> do you right? think this happens in Sacrifice, or do you have space for this card? I think you'll play exactly one copy. Yeah. Because as- if I was allowed to play five Deadly Disputes, I probably would, but I don't think I'd want to play six. Right. And I think this is as good as like your fifth dispute. There you go. That makes sense to me. And then the second one is Fungal Fortitude. (laughs) I just wanted to talk about this because they made Mm -hmm. another one of these cards. And it doesn't cost one, like the last few sets, but this is another Fane Death. 
it's a generic and a black for a for an aura that has flash and it says enchanted creature gets plus two plus oh and when enchanted creature dies return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control they will not stop making feign death cards <laughs> never tinfoil hat theory okay so they're making a two mana feign death slash not that after all what if their plan was to ban every single one of them that costs one and from now on only print them at two mana? I mean, look, I, I kind of love that as a way out of the current situation in modern. It's just like <laughs> ban all these cards that nobody cares about. But I think we're uncovering some deep trauma that people have associated with Fury right now as well in discussion and grief. I, so we'll, we'll see where these ban discussions go. But it would uh, it would certainly be funny if they were like, well, we have to ban five commons for no other reason <laughs> just to keep this like these two mythics in play but you can have a two mana one yeah two mana one's fine if you want to do that that stuff on turn two hey i'm okay with that yeah exactly you'll die in modern you'll you, you won't win anymore <laughs> it's true but all right last two drop we have zoyoa's justice a generic and a red for an instance the owner of target artifact or creature with mana value one or greater shuffles it into their library. This is this is like impossible to parse what this is saying. Then that player discovers X Devin. where X is the mana value. I don't know how this card can be broken, but I just feel like I, I just wanted to put it in here because, you know, when we talked about Tibble's trickery on the podcast when it was spoiled, we were like, maybe this is like a weird counter spell that prowess can use. Yeah. And mm. I just wanted to say <laughs> This card, we're covering our bases. Exactly. This card to me, like, has my antenna up a little bit where I'm just like, somebody's going to figure out something with this card, right? Probably. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, if, I mean, if you think about it, if you go like Fury Pitch, you know, Fury Pitch, trigger, Evoke Trigger on the stack, Justice, this, I don't know where that gets you because you can just hit another justice, right? Mm, you could definitely hit another justice. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the problem there. So it's it's like, I guess, the fixed Tibalt's trickery. Yeah. I don't know. What happens if you hit another justice, though, and there's no targets? I guess you just fizzle. Yeah, because yeah. there's no targets, so you can't cast mm. it. So, uh, Yeah, I don't know. Like, it, Oh, it goes in your hand. To, that's what it does. Is it, oh, go, it goes right, in your hand. It goes in because, your hand because it's Discover. Okay. Right. Yeah, it's hard to break this because, like, ideally you want to be hitting expensive permanence right expensive like you know five or six mana permanence with it but in and of itself it costs two mana so you can just hit another copy of it that's the awkward part so i think i actually kind of think it might be unbreakable which is i guess a good thing that's good this card did make me go <laughs> look at, at reddit slash mtg tcg or like i looked at the main magic subreddit for the first time maybe in my life and then was like, okay, I'm going to leave now just to see if people had any ideas, if there's anything obvious that I was missing. But it was a lot of people just saying the same thing I'm saying, which is like, someone's going to figure out how to do something with this. Maybe it's you, Dave. Thankfully, we did not lose Dave to the depths of Reddit. Yeah. Have at it, internet. It was a fun vacation for a minute. All right. On to three drops. We only have two three drops. And Devin, I would love to talk about the one that you have here first. Want to do mine first? Yes. All right. I would love to. Uh, Sentinel of the Nameless City, Sentinel of the Primeval City, uh, three mana for a three, four vigilance when it enters the battlefield or attacks, stop me if you've heard that line of text before, create a map token. So, uh, this is kind of like primeval map Titan ish. Um, I like this card a lot because so 
in the pioneer decks, like the Llanowar Elf decks, like this is obviously very powerful on turn two. I get if you're if your elf die if your elf survives, you should probably be winning those games anyways. But kind of the I, the concept behind this is the body's really good, right? It three four doesn't die to a lot of the the red base removal dodges fiery impulse, which is pretty important. And one problem that the Llanowar Elf decks have is later in the game they don't really have a way to utilize Llanowar Elves. Like they're just kind of for most for the most part just blank pieces of cardboard. And this is kind of a way where if you have this thing in attack a couple of times, make a couple of map tokens, you can just turn your elf into a potential threat later in the game. And that's kind of why I like this card. So when you say Llanowar Elf decks, you're talking about boats, Not basically, monogreen. right? Yeah. Oh yeah, aggressive land my bad. Aggressive yeah. Llanowar Elf decks, yeah. Yeah. Not monogreen. Yeah. I mean, there's I like a, it. It's, there, it's just it's a good body. There's a lot of competition in that deck at the three drop spot, for example, though, right? So the question is like, there how is. many of these would you want to try? Because some of the some of those, I mean, those cards are like amazing, you know. Because you're talking about, um, I don't, I'm doing so bad at card names today, but you're talking about like the <laughs> werewolf that gives everything haste, and you're talking about the huntsman's guy, the new yep. saga. Like, there's a, there's a lot of stuff there, but. Do you think this card could be like a playset, or do you think this is like a couple of to help upgrade your elves, and that's what it is? Well, the nice thing about Huntsman's Redemption is you can get away with playing a bunch of one ofs and then have access to it when you want it to. So, like the build of Red Green that I've been playing recently is just four Huntsman's, four Stormseeker, because those are the two best three drops, and then a bunch of tutor targets. So, there's like one Miglaws one Voldaren Thrillseeker, one Lovestruck Beast, all this kind of stuff. And I think it's good in kind of that tutor package because you don't want a ton of copies. Um, but it, I think it's nice to have, like, if you draw, you know, let's say it's like turn four and you have an extra elf or something and you want to get this thing, you know, make a map token. It's also like kind of a sick curve with Stormseeker because you go play it, make a map token, target it with Stormseeker, attack, make a map token. And then you can like use the maps post combat if you have extra mana left over. So, yeah, I could see it like as mostly just like a one or two of probably. Cool. Cool utility piece. A 3-4 three, for three with Vigilance is pretty good on its own anyway, so that's that's good. Hmm. Hmm. Shane is unconvinced. Shane doesn't like it. I mean, we'll see. I don't hate it. I like, I like, I like <laughs> three mana, three fours with Vigilance. Let's do it. But how do you feel, Shane, about weird three <laughs> mana value enchantments yeah oh, this that, card is so weird that make a pirate when it comes into play okay and i'm talking about corpses of the lost oh my favorite doors song two generic and a black for an enchantment skeletons you control get plus one plus oh and have haste and then it says when corpses are lost enter the battlefield create a two two black skeleton pirate creature token at the beginning of your end step if you descended this turn you may pay one life if you do return corpses of lost to its owners hand where you can play it again and give your skeletons <laughs> haste at, again and attack again so this is like a a disinformation campaign, skeletation campaign. This seems really slow, man. Am I missing something about this card? No, I just think this card's cool. I, I don't know if this card. I, I actually very much don't think this card is going to end up somewhere. But this is a cool. This is a cool, fun, interesting card, and I like. This is you know, I don't often do this, but I was like, it was one of the first cards in this set where I just looked at. It and I was like, that art is pretty cool <laughs> too. It's like really good. I don't know. At any rate, I thought this card was interesting, and I just wanted to put an asterisk on it because I'm like, maybe something could be a thing someday with this, but probably not. So, I, I actually, funny enough, when I when I first saw this card, the, what kind of came to mind was not casting it over and over again, but if there are enough playable skeletons, mm -hmm. just having this as like blanket plus one plus oh haste sounds kind of cool. Turns out, as you probably would have guessed, there's not a lot of good 
skeletons that are legal in Pioneer, so we might have to shelf this one for a little bit. Is Gutter Bones a skeleton? Is he a zombie? <laughs> Is Dave going to look and see what skeletons are legal? I'm, I'm They're looking bad. At, I'm looking at skeletons that are legal in Pioneer. Wow, there is only seven There's not a lot. legal skeletons in Pioneer. What are they, Dave? I want them listed individually. It might be actually, hang on a second. I, I don't think I did this right. And we've got time. So I'm just going to do this real quick. So I'm on the type line. I'm going to have skeleton. I, I think it just looked in the name legal pioneer because eight seems impossible for how many sets there are. Yeah. No, there's, there's 28 cards in. Please read them individually. Yeah. Um, there are, guess what? They're all bad. There's a couple of like, okay. One drops. If you sort by mana value, there's like, Cult Conscript, Gutter Bones, those both have two power for one mana. Uh, the two drops is where you kind of... there. So <laughs> the funny thing about Skeletons is they're all basically two mana one ones because <laughs> they all you know regenerate for some amount of mana. And uh, you can't really just fill your deck with a bunch of two mana one ones. It's what if you a go idea. a different way with this though and you just play Flame Skull and Demi Lich and there you have... <laughs> Just because the art is so metal. And then you have Corpses of the Lost with its like happening. And then you're doing flying skeletons and uh, also a one that responds to instants and sorceries that you can't actually trigger. No? Yes. I love where this is going. Uh, Devin, m- most importantly, what album would you listen to while playing your, your skeleton kindred deck in Pioneer on your stream? Uh, Put you on the spot there, I know. I don't know. <laughs> think about that come back to this this is important right. i would listen to emotion by carly ray jepsen that's that's <laughs> wait that's just me what what anthrax album is skeletons in, my, in the closet on oh i don't know i only really okay this is this is because i was like not a true anthrax fan at all i just listened to sound of white noise a lot yeah i did too a when lot. i was a kid for some reason well that's because only was like a single when we were when a very good single when we were in like sixth or seventh grade. Shane. That whole album was so good though. I listened to a lot of Sound of White Noise. For what it's worth, it's on Among the Living, so that would be my answer. Oh there yeah. That's a, that was my, my friends who were more into metal in general, I definitely know that they listened to that album. Cool story about, you know, listening to metal in the nineties. Yeah. All right. I think we're com- we're coming kind of towards the end of the cards uh, that we had in mind for the sets. I would like to talk about Bloodletter of Alkazots. Yeah. Which is a generic and three black, generic, black, 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 flying two, four. If an opponent would lose life during your turn, they lose twice that much instead. Okay. So I think that this card is clearly some EDH catnip. Sure about that? It's got to be. Yes, I'm pretty sure. Because I play Aloro in EDH, and so that uh, does some stuff for sure. But um, but tell me where you think it fits for where you were thinking about, Devin. So hear me out. Okay. So people look at this card, and they see you know three mana for a 2-4 flyer. Right. Four, four mana for a 2-4 flyer, in fact. Yeah, sorry. It's a four, four, four mana. Flyer. My bad. Four mana. Four, I was four. looking at three black. That's, that, that's exactly my point. It's not a 2-4 flyer. It's a 4-4 four, four flyer. But it's not only a 4-4 flyer, it also pumps your team, like let's say you have a bunch of 2-2s in play. It's a 4-mana 4-4 flyer that gives all of your creatures plus 2 plus 0. Now when you look Mm. at it that way, the card is immediately much more appealing in a constructed constructed sense. The other thing you want to realize about this is it's a vampire. 
I was thinking about there's like curves you can do with, let's say you play like a Blood Tithe Harvester on turn two, and then turn three, you play Soren Imperious Bloodlord minus put this into play, hit them for six because your Blood Tithe deals double damage, right? So they take they take the six on the spot from the Blood Tithe. And also Bloodletter is kind of just insane with Soren because Soren the plus or whatever when you like sacrifice a vampire to deal oh, them three, yeah, lifelink. that effect on Soren deals them six damage. Mm. And that's without even going to combat. You just have this thing in play and your Soren deals six damage. So I, I mean there are some kind of some crazy curves that involve like this card plus Soren and just like any other random cheap vampires. And I think this card is kind of nuts. Yeah, Soren is a very cool walker. And anytime like a cool vampire, you know, drops from the, the, the Watsy vaults, you got to pay attention. What I like about this, though, is that it's not like some seven mana vampire that's like your your whole right. plan is cheating. It's like perfectly playable at four. Yeah. Yeah, if you curve out, like if you just go Blood Tithe Harvester into, I mean, I don't know how many good one drop vampires there are, but I guess like uh, Voltaire and Epicure maybe, but if you go like one drop, two drop, and then just cast this on curve, you're attacking for, you know, six or eight damage on turn four. That's pretty good. This is much different than I thought it was, because this is one of those cards that I definitely just read over it and was like, great, so now I have to do something weird to do loss of life, but yeah, it, it says right on there, damage causes loss of life, so I yeah. don't know, I didn't even think about it at all. This is just an absurd <laughs> lord, yeah. basically. And, and, and it has sick art and sick flavor text. It's like the way that I kind of look at it is it's like Hellrider, but X2. Right. Right. Hellrider, when your stuff attacks, they deal one damage. But if you have a bunch of tutus attacking, they're taking an extra two damage for each of those tutus attacking. So it's like flying Hellrider plus. I, I love this card. Let me, let me ask you this. So we haven't talked about this card in a long time, but this is a card that's legal and pioneer. Here it comes. It's a one drop. It's a vampire. It's a knight. Knight of the Ebon Legion. Ebon Legion. Yeah, that's that a pretty good that, one drop man, with this. That card is so good in the right shell. It is so good. At the beginning of your end step, if a player lost four or more life this turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on Knight of the Ebon Leap. That's That seems all right. Also, four or more life, much easier to do when they're taking twice, the, twice as much damage. This is you what just I'm hit saying. them with a two-two, and that triggers your thing, and like it just gets out of control. I mean, we, we, Love we, this card. we might be talking about like you know kitchen table magic, but we can dream. No. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm talking like, about, you know, regional championship in Atlanta, Magic. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. What does it take for Mono... Mono Black was a good deck, right? I know Mono Black has different cards in it, but there's still a core of some of those cards there that have totally been abandoned by Modern at this... by Pioneer at this point. You know, is who's to say that a card like this that just makes your team attack so crazily aggressively isn't the card that can bring a shell sort of like that back? I mean, there are a lot of good uh, black cards in Pioneer. Do a lot of damage. They recur themselves really well out of the graveyard. Not just skeletons, not just zombies. Just like all kind of weird artifact things that you can get back out. Like it's it's a well-supported color in Pioneer. And this might be enough just to be like, you're taking a lot of damage, friend, if this thing stays on the board. Yeah, and here's the other thing too. Like we we've been talking about this a little bit, like it's a vampire tribal card. But seriously, if you just took this card and put it at the top of the curve in mono black in the mono black aggro deck that existed four years ago in Pioneer, all yep. of those cards are two ones for one that come back out of the graveyard. So suddenly they they attack for four damage. If you can keep this thing from dying, or it's if you can, or if you can play this into a board that has three two ones on it, and you just like drop this on turn four, and they're tapped out or something, and then you attack in for twelve, like 
I don't know. I'm kind of get more interested in this card the more we talk about it, just because of that kind of like potential pool that's missing there. Obviously, part of the reason Mono Black was good at the time was because of Smuggler's Copter. It was like the best Smuggler's Copter deck. But the one thing that I will say about the Curve Topper, and we kind of have to have this this discussion every time we talk about a new Black Four Drop in Pioneer. Oh no! You know, I mean, we can talk about me. the Phyrexian in the room. It's obviously, you know, is this card better than Shieldred? Uh, I, I don't know if it is, but I think that there are decks that may want this type of effect more than they would want the Shieldred type of effect. Like the body's worse, it's four toughness versus five. Uh, you know, Shieldred is more better standalone threat. But like, I think specifically if you're like, if, if especially if you're going deep with the vampire synergies, like what Soren will be talked about, that's kind of where I like the, I like this card a lot. But yeah, just like, I, I just think there's a lot of stuff to do with it. Yeah, good card. Deals a lot of damage. Very cool. He's got a, he's got a cool flail. This is, this is sick. Dave, there's another four drop on here. I don't know. I, I put this on here before we had a better <laughs> oh, four man. drop to talk about. But I'll talk about it. Oher Axanil, Deepest Might. Two red red for a four four. It's Trample. I'm not even going to read the back. It transforms. It transforms and comes back as like a temp, like it turns into a land and then you can turn it back into itself. At any rate, it says, but what's interesting is it says if a red source you control would deal an amount of non-combat damage less than Oher Axanel's power to an opponent, that source deals damage equal to Oher Axanel's power instead. So I just really liked Aspiring Spike's tweet where he had a, good tweet. A, a picture of this and a picture of Gutshot and a picture of Lava Dart. And I was like, those are cards I like. Can we play these cards that I like? Uh, <laughs> no, we probably can't. But it is pretty funny to think that you could drop this and then be like, okay, I'm going to do 12 damage to you with uh, gut shots. Yeah, the rest of the tweet was like the Elmo guy with the Oh, the, the fire. Hands, yeah. The, the fire. Yeah. yeah. It's good. It's good. The Elmo guy. It's just yeah. Elmo. It's just Elmo. It is Elmo, but it's a weird camera angle on Elmo. Yeah, Elmo's looking. Elmo's looking a little bit weird, a little haggard. He's looking a little like um, that mascot from the Philadelphia. Oh, like he's looking like gritty. He's looking like gritty in that picture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> from the flyers. Yeah, yeah. So I, I will say, uh, aspiring Spike does like to bait debate us from time to time with these tweets so you know take it take the tweet with a grain of salt this this card's cool i don't know i don't know what he was referencing he didn't really say anything in the tweet uh it's really really cool uh if it you know if you can set that up but he said he said so much without saying anything at all i, I don't i don't he think did, it can yeah. be good i just it didn't occur to me that that's that's what people would want to do with it until I, I was like, cause it, was, it kind of reminds me of Shandra's incinerator for a minute where I was like, everybody wanted that card to be good. And that card wasn't that good. And then this was like, Oh yeah, well you can just play this with gut shot. And then then it's more interesting, but uh, goblin fire slinger. Mm. <laughs> oh, I like it. Yeah. Just bring it in. Mog fanatic. Let's just do red it. And six? Yeah, red and Ooh, six. Red and six. Uh, wow. we're, going, we're cooking with a stew here Devin now I feel like you're also baiting me in this discussion mm, maybe. <laughs> maybe nothing like my Unclear. four mana enablers yeah yeah all right so let's so anybody have any other cards they want to talk any other new cards that they want to talk about or things that you don't think we talked about last episode or this one or should we try to go through the things that we think are going to be the, the best uh, yeah I mean I don't have anything I might have missed something I hope not but I don't want to I don't want another fable of mirror breaker in our hands that we just literally <laughs> didn't speak about <laughs> I don't. Silence. Something tells me I don't think we have a fable of the mirror breaker. I don't think so. I mean, there's. I I said this last week. I'm gonna say it again. I just think there's a there's a lot of 
interesting things going on in this set. There's like some land matter stuff. There's like some counters matter stuff. I And those are the kind of things I think that can blow some stuff open, right? You know what I mean? Like these little potential combos, potential additional enablers, particular types of strategies. I would not be surprised if we have maybe something on the Agatha's Soul Cauldron end. You know, not bigger than that, but that's, I think, surprisingly that's good. That's pretty big. Yeah, it's pretty big. I think We I still think don't even, I think, have a good sense of how big that card actually is at this point. No, I think we could have something similar, maybe. I don't know what that is yet. Uh, I made a list of my favorite cards, and I'm curious to see if you all agree, disagree, have some things of your own, just for kicks. I think uh, it's what's funny is I don't, I don't play Pioneer really much at all. And I don't build decks like this, but I think that the Bartolome de Presidio, the white-black legendary vampire knight, when when you sacrifice something, another creature or artifact, you get a 1-1 counter on Bartolome. I think there's that's really good. This is a solid card. I think there's a lot of ways to build a deck around this. It's, you know, it's a vampire. It's an, it's a knight. It's black and white. It's, I think, you know, it sacrifices for free and grows for doing so. I, there's a lot going on here. That's great. Yeah, no, we talked about it last week. I don't know if you had any more thoughts about this, Devin, or have any brews you're already getting going with Bartolome. Uh, I mean, uh, maybe we could spend that whole episode on Bartolome specifically. Oh, I mean, no, maybe we will like soon. If there was only a podcast <laughs> that you were a host on. I know, right? <laughs> there's just so many, I don't know, there's so many things to do with this card. Like, I've been thinking of Rally the Ancestors. What? I've been thinking of Return to the Ranks, uh, Agatha Soul Cauldron, Harden Scales, uh, Ozolith. There's just like, uh, there's just a million things to do with this card. It's th- this is by far my favorite card in the set. I was going to ask you for Pioneer. You said that last week, and I was going to ask you. You know, since we're kind of wrapping it up here, was there anything that eclipsed that eclipsed this for you? It sounds like no. This is the thing that you're going no hardest on right now. No changes. No changes. <laughs> Playing mono green. I think uh, another card. I think that people are kind of overlooking is Inti, the Seneschal of the Sun. <laughs> Devin ran and gr- grabbed his uh, no changes shirt. No changes shirt. What's the what's the store that makes those? Spice rack. I'm not gonna tell you. I was almost about to make the same hat and put it into our Dave, store Dave, Dave. before that, and then I just didn't. <laughs> I didn't get there fast enough. All of our sayings are gonna get. They're gonna get uh, made before we can. We can turn them into our merch. Exactly. I, I think Ginty's cool. Uh, the one in a red 2-2 two, two, that whenever you attack, you may discard a card. When you do, put a 1-1 one, one counter on target attacking creature. It gains trample to end a turn. Whenever you discard one or more cards, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card until your next end step. Reminder that it's just the same turn if it's during your attacking phase. I think there's something here. I think this does a lot of support. I think it's a cool card. Um, I think, I don't know. I think people are kind of forgetting about it a little bit. But again, it has to go into something. Could just be aggressive knights. I don't know. It's cool. I think Souls of the Lost. We didn't talk. Uh, we didn't really talk about this. I don't think it's just like the evil. Oh yeah, we talked about it last week. It's the evil bunny. The evil bunny corn. Just like you know, yeah. permanence in your graveyard. Tarmogoyf. Yeah, I think that one's really good. I I think the card that's the most interesting to me, and I'm pretty sure it's not good, but I'm still interested in it to see if something happens. Is Tishana's Tidebinder still? And People I'm not like a merfolk person, but I I still think it's an interesting card that does a bunch of stuff that we don't really have in or in either of these formats at a reasonable rate. So I'm kind of curious to see if that 
turns into something. Though I have my doubts. I'm going to be honest with you. I keep getting these confused. So there's Kitesail Larsenist and there's Tishana's Tidebinder. Tidebinder is the stifle stifle. or the one that, okay. The stifle that locks stuff down. I I know what the cards do. I just don't have the names like associated with the the right one. Totally. Yeah. I mean, the other one too, Larsenist is pretty good. I actually, I had a, I I posted a YouTube video the other day that had like my top 10 with some honorable mentions and Larsenist was in my honorable mention. There's just a lot of flexibility with that one too. Like just being able to kill your opponent's best permanent. And then if you have some random like map token or whatever, you can just use it as a ramp spell too. And you can do both. You can do one or the other. Um, but yeah, Tide is pretty sick too. I like both those cards. Yeah. People are amped about this. I don't see myself ever casting it in my entire life, but when it gets cast against me, I'll be annoyed. You're not a Merfolk guy. Oh God. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather play a counter magic deck than a Merfolk deck, I think. What if you played a Merfolk deck with counter magic? <gasps> wow. Perfect. Perfection. Uh there's a bunch of removal. There's a bunch of removal in the set, right? There's like the bitter triumph, get lost, molten collapse. I f- can we have, can we spend like two minutes talking about molten collapse? I feel like this Again? is over- I feel like this is overrated. I know. we we've hinted on that and we did say that a little bit last time. Devin, you think overrated, properly rated, underrated? I mean, people don't want this for modern uh, scam, and I'm like, come on. It's hard to say that it's properly rated because people kind of are, you know, make they're kind of making it seem like it's the end of the world. So I would say it's probably overrated, but I, the card is good. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and tell you it's a bad card. Like, if people will play it in scam because of the fact that one of Scam's worst matchups is Hardened Scales, and this can kill a Hardened Scales. It can also kill a Colossal Hammer. It can kill, you know, uh, Aid, that kind of stuff. So, and the fact that it pitches to both. It's a good card, but it's not going to, like, you know, it's not going to make Scam go from whatever 40% that it is right now to 50% or so. You know what I mean? So the, yeah, against whatever. Scales. Like, it's probably just, like, it's, like, good sideboard tech against Scales. Probably that's, like, the main application here. I don't think I'd want to play a sorcery speed terminate or dreadbore in my in my main deck. Right, that's the weird part. It's like the matchups where the destroy a non-creature per non non the one mana permanent is at its best is the matchups where you really need the instant speed from Terminate, like against the lands like Ink Moth Nexus and, and that kind of stuff, or just an instant speed Arcbound Ravager activation. Whereas Sorcery Speed Dreadbore is unplayable against that kind of stuff. I mean Dreadbore is always sorcery speed. We're just talking about Well, you know what I mean. Sorcery, sorcery Yeah, no, no, no. I no, I mean I said the same thing. It's just like, yeah, it's like, you know, are we really talking about playing Dreadbore with upside just to like maybe shore up a little bit of one of our worst matchups and quite possibly, you know, sideboard tech, go for it. But like you said, it's like it's still not as flexible as like the instant speed terminate offers you. So maybe you just have both. Like it's the type of thing like you want a lot of removal, I think, against the hardened scales matchup. So just throw throw two in there. I mean, you already do have uh, Hitseku consumes all is like a card that people yep. run. It, of course, it doesn't take care of anything over what one mana, so that's not great. Yeah, just once. So, but it does enough. It's just it's really like how how you want to approach the format and how well this does actually stack up when you do some play testing against scales. I think, Dave, what do you what do you what do you like? What are you into? I mean, I, I mostly am just thinking about what, what we're saying at the same time as everybody else on Twitter is like, oh my God, Scam is getting a huge upgrade in this set again. Every set, Scam gets a huge upgrade. And I'm like, <laughs> it's going to be a one of, yeah. I think. 
Like people probably played as a one of, right? Am I crazy? A one of and one in the sideboard, maybe? Like, I don't know. And and then I think it'll probably get engineered out of the deck at some point, but we'll see. I don't know. Like I, I feel like there's not a ton of slam dunks. We like there's there's cards that are cool, and I think we talked about them already. And I think the best ones I'm probably most excited about the blood letter of uh Aklazots now that Devin really? explained to After me how it actually works. Today, let's yeah, go. <laughs> I kind of feel excited about that. I'm curious to see if people can just try to play it in some aggro decks or if it has to be vampire synergy. I do like the spear. You know, I like Terry and Soul Cleaver. I, I'm curious to see if that becomes a thing. Uh you know what I'm about the blood letter is that it's mythic and it means I can potentially build like a black aggressive deck on arena again because I have lots of mythic wild cards. Mythic wild cards. Yes. <laughs> there you go. I guess my dark horse for this set is Squirming Emergence still. Oh, the reanimate spell that we talked about last week? Yeah. Like, I, I'm curious oh, to yeah, see if that call. makes anything new and interesting happen because I still kind of feel like it could. It's kind of a weird one to evaluate because it it's you need some the best ways to enable like putting a bunch of stuff into your graveyard as fast as possible is usually not permanent based. Mm -hmm. Like it's usually the grizzly salvages and you know, whatever, like uh, breaking and entering mill yourself for eight. That's a spell. So a lot of it is spell based. So you have to find like this right balance of permanence that fill your graveyard because you need enough stuff in the graveyard to be able to get the correct, um, descend cost or descend number for for the for that card. So I think there's got it's got potential, but I don't exactly know how to build with it yet. I will say there there are a couple of cards that are actually pretty good that are blue cards, right? At filling your graveyard. Isn't there the there's like the Merfolk Secret Keeper, the Adventures, and the Fairy that's in the new set too that people are playing oh, Phoenix oh, now. Oh right, picklock prankster. Okay. Right. Yeah, because that counts as a permanent in the graveyard. You're right. Okay. Right. So there's some stuff maybe you could do there that would let you kind of skirt that. So they're permanents that are actually spells and da 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 da. But of course if you play them as spells, you have to get them or you get them into the zone later, so it's not like they go directly there. But um, I don't know. There's probably a couple ways around it. But I, I, that's a card that is beyond me to know how to even consider brewing with. And so I'm just kind of watching from the sidelines, wondering if there's something cool that's going to happen. Yeah. So uh, I mentioned earlier, I, did, I had done a top 10 video with some you know honorable mentions for specifically for Pioneer, because I don't know if there's a, a ton that's going to impact Modern. Just to kind of go through the top five, it was Bartolome, Molten Collapse... Get Lost, Cavern of Souls, and the 3-4, the Sentinel of the Nameless City. Those are my top five. Wow. Uh, one card that kind of was in honorable mention that I have not seen a ton of people talking about was Kellen. So the cool th there's a couple of cool things about Kellen where the stat line is very important because it's 2 mana 2-3, which means it doesn't die to Bonecrusher Giant, mm -hmm. and that's kind of the biggest pass that you have to, the, the biggest test that you have to pass in Pioneer because just so many of the removal decks play it. Um, it gets you card advantage because if you have enough stuff, it's whenever it attacks, you reveal the top card. If it's a creature with mana value three or less, put it into your hand. And if you're playing a human's decks with kind of the cavern of souls, that kind of all works itself together where you're playing a ton of creatures. So you're always, or not always, but you're more likely to hit cards off of Kellen. And then somebody mentioned the other day, you could even, I don't know if you want to do this, but you could consider playing it in Grease Fang. Because Grease Fang is a card that you can hit that's mana value three or less to hit off of it. And if you miss on Grease Fang, you can bin Parhelion off of it. Right. Because it puts it into the graveyard. So that could be something as well. I'm less, I'm more skeptical of that. But in humans, I think this card's pretty sick. I think that Amalia 
Benavides Aguirre, the white black legendary vampire. Uh, that you, it has the gain life thing. I the think twenty, the, yeah. the power twenty, Splinter destroy twin. everything thing. Yeah, I think there's, yeah. I think there's some combos people <laughs> will mess with. I don't know how good they will be, but I think they're. I think that is a a card that one can play. Yeah. All right, but I think the best thing for us to do is just kind of like wait and be see. ready to see what happens. I mean, what yeah, I, wait to see which uh, which which fable we missed, huh? Right. Yeah. There's always one. I mean, and you know, we get to talk about your your brewing and experimentation on your stream, Devin. That's always a blast. And I mean, just going back to the set, I think the set's cool. I think this is a this is a cool set. I I think it has a lot of flavor and like cool mechanics that mix with existing decks. Like I think there are set mechanics that have names that like speak to the set in itself. But like so many of the things that the cards are doing work universally. And I think it's kind of what makes mag- like makes a magic set good, right? Is I think it has both internal and external synergy. And I think it looks like a really cool limited set. I think it looks like a pretty neat constructed set. So good on you, Watsy. I think this one looks good. But that wraps up this week's show. If you have not yet, please subscribe to the podcast. You get the latest episodes as soon as they drop. And if you use Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a rating or a review or engage in the comments of the episode. If you want to reach out to us, you can give us a tweet at The Dive Down, all one word, or email thedivedown at gmail.com. Please support us if you want to over at patreon.com slash thedivedown or check out the store at thedivedown.com slash store. You can also go to heavyplay.com Get some awesome deck and dice boxes and playmats featuring the Equip Mag system. Use code THEDIVEDOWN2023 for 10% off of your order over at heavyplay.com. Mana Traders, of course, longtime affiliate of the Dive Down. Use promo code THEDIVEDOWN23, all one word, for 10% off of your first two months of running Magic Online cards. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. Until next week, get out there and get lost! Get lost!